You are listening to the Wedding Photo Hangover Podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Boo Ray and Gary. And this week, also, Dustin and Steve are here like usual. The Wedding Photo Hangover is an irreverent look at wedding photography. This podcast, like Aspirin, will help you recover from your wedding hangover. As I already mentioned, Dustin and I are so excited to have Boo Ray Perry and Gary Hughes, the world's greatest photographers, from the Photobomb podcast on the show with us today. Boo Ray and Gary aren't just recognized by their own podcast and now our podcast as well as being great photographers. They're also recognized by the PPA. That's right. They're both master photographers. Aside from mastering photography, though, Boo Ray and Gary also make a comedy podcast about photography. Well, their podcast, Photobomb, is about as much about photography as the wedding photo hangover is, I think you could say. Boo Ray and Gary, we're so pleased to have you guys with us today. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to have a quick chat with us. And that's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for listening. <laughs> you can find us on photobombpodcast.com. Join our Facebook group, facebook.com slash photobombpodcast. My name is Gary Hughes. You can find me at hughesfioretti.com. My partner is Boo Ray Perry. You can find him at booraypery.com. And this has been the Photobomb Hangover. Yeah, I feel like that has been the longest. The uh, that was hangover. a very long introduction. It's very yeah. long. Very long. Yeah. yeah. I, we don't. We can't just pay Dean Kane to do ours. So, you know. <laughs> Well, you know maybe, maybe someday when you're big, when you're a big podcast, you can bring in the heavy-duty talent. You know what's funny about Dean Kane being on the show uh, was, not on the show, but we use the service. If, if you listen for you awesome Photo Hangover podcast listeners, uh, and by the way, thank you, Steve and Dustin, for having us on. I, yeah, we've been trying to put you. this together for several months to find a time where all four of us could get together and do this, and it does mean a lot to us, so thank you. Um, but we used the service Cameo, have you, have you, and, and it was inspired because uh, Bure's best friend, Kira, got him a Cameo, which is basically you pay a celebrity to get give you a video shout out for his birthday. So Bure got John Lovitz leaving a video message for him. And I I thought immediately I went to the website and I thought, I wonder if I can get one of these celebrities to read our intro as part of the video shout out. And I'm looking through and I found that Dean Cain is on there from Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, Ripley's Believe It or Not, and three episodes of Law and Order SVU. And so I, 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 I put in the message basically that like we're celebrating 200 episodes of our podcast and gosh you know it would mean the world to us and i'm a legitimate fan of dean kane like lois and clark the new adventures of superman is a tv show that my family sat around and watched one of the few things we ever watched did together when we watched that show every week for several years on sunday night or whatever night it was and so i actually was really geeked out to have dean kane do it and not only like not only did he do the cameo because they can they can choose not to do it the celebrities if they don't want to read the thing but he actually read the intro as if he knew he was going to be introducing the podcast which i thought was really really cool he absolutely did not have to do that and and for 60 bucks and that was pretty amazing Mm. yeah i thought that was pretty cool so thanks dean kane Uh, hopefully he listens to your show too Maybe we'll just you have to jump know. on Cameo and uh, see if we can get him to record one for this episode. <laughs> Don't you dare take Dean Kane from us. How dare you? <laughs> you, get your, you get your own celebrity. So um, as a longtime listener of the Photobomb podcast, I have a lot of photography related questions to ask the two of you. Um, on a recent episode of the Photobomb podcast, you two mentioned that everything you got beat up for as kids was now cool, referencing comic books and Dungeons and Dragons. So the first thing I want to know is uh, what comics are you two into? Boo Ray? Well, that's me more, I think, than Gary. And I wasn't into comics 
I guess I was when I was very young and then a little bit in my teenage years and then I stopped and then I discovered um, uh, Marvel, uh, the Marvel, was it Marvel Universe Online or whatever? I, you pay mm-hmm. like $7 a month and you get access to 50,000 Marvel comics. Yeah. And um, I was like, oh, I'll check this out. And now I love it because you can go in and you can just binge. It's like, it's like Netflix for comics. And so big X-Men fan, big Avengers fan. Uh, I tell you who, I'm just really a big Brian Michael Bendis fan. Uh, mm-hmm. If you know anything about comic books, Brian Michael Bendis was the guy who um, took on Spider-Man when they did Ultimate Spider-Man. He created Alias, which was Jessica Jones on Netflix. That was my, Brian Michael Bendis. Bendis created that comic book and created that character. And basically, he is the Quentin Tarantino of comic books. He writes great dialogue. He writes great stories and real human stories. And when you read his comic books, it's like you're watching a movie. And so that's what, that's what got me back into comic books was uh, Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. uh, funny enough, I have been... In my middle school and high school years, I was big into comics. And mine were, I always loved The Incredible Hulk, I loved Spider-Man, I loved Superman, and I loved The X-Men and The Fantastic Four. Those are my books. But it's been, gosh, it's probably been nearly 20 years. I'll be 38 soon, so it's been almost 20 years since I've purchased a comic book. And I recently discovered that our local public library, and we have several in the area, they all have sections for graphic novels. And so I've been... I've been catching up on a lot of the ones that I missed in comic book form. Like, you know how you know the source material is a comic book? Like, let's say you've seen the movie Watchmen or something. And so you're like, oh, yeah, I know that's from a comic book, but I've never actually read the comic book. And so the Dark Knight movies with Christian Bale, those are based on Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns run. And there's a few, you know, different things like that. The classic books, the classic collections. And I've been catching up on all of them. I just finished the first volume of Alias. Brian Michael Bendis is fantastic. And I just finished uh, the New 52. Superman. I just start, I just finished volume two of Preacher. Like I've just go to le- leave the library with like a stack of these graphic novels, and like this grown man, I take my children to the library. They have to get real books, and I come home with comic books. So that's uh, well, the re- well. The reason they become so popular now is that Hollywood, the movies are so popular, is because Hollywood finally figured out that a comic book is a movie that's already been storyboarded. Yeah, correct. You know, they, they take a movie before they make a movie, they storyboard it. They draw the whole movie out shot for shot. Well, that's what a comic book is. It's a storyboarded movie. Movie. And uh, when you watch, if you if you read the Watchmen comic book and then you watch the Watchmen movie, it's I mean they practically took frame for frame every shot out of the comic book, except for at the end. And now there's a new Watchmen series coming out. They oh, they changed the ending. At, yeah, they changed the ending. At the end, it's it's not uh, it's not uh, uh, Ozymandias that blows up Manhattan or Doctor Manhattan. It's a giant squid from outer yeah, space a, a giant or something. Inter- intergalactic <laughs> squid. An, an, an interdimensional squid monster destroys Manhattan, and that would have probably played out a little bit silly on screen so i think that was probably yeah. a solid a solid change well, they, made. they would have had to build in the whole subplot where they have the people on the island who are creating the giant intergalactic right. squid monster because right. it's right. not actually right. an yeah. alien it's created on earth and everything like there's so much to Jeez, did that. he just spank us on technicality already on the did. show I we're I the guests did, yeah. damn steven <laughs> <laughs> I tell you though, for, for, if, if anyone's interested in comic books, Brian Michael Bendis. But if you want to really, really some, the thing that really broke him was a series that he did, I think, for Dark Horse Comics that was called Powers. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, what he did was a police procedural comic book about what it would be like for the cops in a world where they were superheroes. Just like we have Law and Order SVU, there would be a special police part of the police department that was charged with just investigating superhero crime. And that comic book is about that. And that's what I love about what he used to write was that he was very much, uh, comic books were, oh, we're going to have a fight and fight a bad guy. And Bennis was very much about what would the world really be like if they were superheroes in the world? 
What would that mm-hmm. really be like, you know, and, and in real world? And that's what I that's why I think that uh, the Jessica Jones series was so successful. Very seldom was she actually doing anything super. Mm-hmm. No, she. Uh, I, I literally just finished volume one of Alias last night, and uh, before I got really drunk, and I, <laughs> and so, and, and it's exactly that. It's basically it's funny because she's got superpowers and she's trying to like get favors from and solve these cases by leaning on her old connections with the with the Avengers and whoever. And so she has to go to the the Baxter Building where the Fantastic Four are, and she's trying to talk to Reed Richards, Mister Fantastic, and she's at a receptionist desk. She's like can i please talk to reed richards and they're like i'm sorry you must make an appointment or whatever like this is what the world is like it's yeah. it's actually really really cool and the 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 similar theme is one that i've also been reading is preacher by garth ennis um and i just finished that and he also did the boys which is a new show on amazon have you guys watched the boys oh, yet? that movie's good that show's good have you been watching that yeah oh yeah i, I watched it in two days yeah mm. of course it's great yeah mm. it's awesome yeah, and uh, yeah. preacher Garth Ennis is basically like that, except he just puts more uh, boobs, genitals, and guts in it than anybody else. He does the Brian Michael Bendis, but then he makes it really, really like foul, you mm-hmm. know. And that's uh, and but, it's just wonderful now that it used to be that if you talked about this stuff, you are a huge geek, and now you're mainstream. Right, and mm-hmm. now like now I feel like a dork because Stephen knew something that I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that says a lot about Stephen. That's. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, the t- t- times have changed. I own two graphic novels, and one of them is The Watchmen. So it was just, you, you got right into my very specific wheelhouse when it comes to <laughs> comics. <laughs> we dipped right into your Kool-Aid. Well, you're going to love this. You're going to love this. When I moved to Florida in the 80s, I hadn't read comic books in years, but I'd moved to Florida with my family, and I didn't know anybody. So I was bored, and there was a comic book shop right by my house. So I said, well, you know what? I, I'll check out what comic books are doing. So I walked in, and this would have been 85, and mm-hmm. I told the guy at the counter, I'm like, what should I read? I haven't read comic books since I was in high school. And the guy goes, here, you should read these two. Here's issue number one of each one. And it was Batman, The Dark Knight Returns, and Watchmen. Nice. Wow. Which are, which, which are now considered the beginning of the new golden age of comics. So those mm-hmm. two books are considered the, the books that completely changed comic books today. And I have them. I have both original series, the original comic books sitting in a closet behind me right now because I kept them for some reason. Inside plastic and you never touch them with your human hands, just always gloves on. Yes. Oh, yeah. I've got them. They're, they're, they're mortarboarded. And yes, I've got, I, don't, I don't have them in the hard sealed plastic. But uh, yeah, I do have the original issues of uh, both runs. Yeah, I, I have quite a few in the uh, the dork boards and plastic wrap. I have I have a small collection of my favorites that I have not seen oxygen in twenty years. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and so here we are again to the fact that uh, all the stuff that we loved as kids <laughs> would have gotten yeah. us beat up in school. And I have comic books that I sealed in high school that have not been opened. Yeah, for sure. So you guys mentioned Dungeons and Dragons too. Do either of you play or? Used to play. I know, or? You got a, a group, don't you, Boo? I did. I we try. I tried to play again as an adult, but it was always so tough to get it scheduled, mm-hmm. and and so tough, you know, to put it together. But I am an avid computer gamer. I play mm-hmm. computer games like crazy. Yeah, I haven't played Dungeons and Dragons in many years, but the the problem is, is with Dungeons and Dragons, it always has been that nobody wants to be the dungeon master. Like, it's hard right. to find somebody who will consistently run a good game for a group of people and multiply that times a thousand when everybody's got a job and got kids. But there were several mm-hmm. summers where me and my brothers and our friends and our, some of our friends in the neighborhood didn't leave the house 
all summer. And I grew up on the beach in South Florida, and we didn't leave the house because we were like locked in a room playing Dungeons and Dragons for and and various other role playing games for the whole summer for several years. But it's it's been a while. But you know, we had to. It wasn't like you go out into public and we're just playing on a picnic table in the park. No. You know, we were we were like draw the curtains, <laughs> turn and keep it nice and quiet, and we're gonna stay in this room and play Dungeons and Dragons because you could. It's not like you could talk about it at school. Like somebody put your head in a toilet or shove you into a locker, you know, like, what are you talking about? Anything that was interesting or required imagination or that was a little bit different than surfing or playing sports, you were immediately branded as homosexual and stuffed into a locker. Yeah, absolutely. Surfing, where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up on the beach down by West Palm Beach in Florida. I'm from Stewart, Florida, and it's a little... Which was easy compared compared to where I grew up. I grew up in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so you even can only worse. Imagine, oh. You can only imagine how bad it was in Louisiana to be different. No, mm-hmm. see, our, my town was it was all uh, the retired elderly. There was a postcard in a general store in downtown, and it was just a picture of Welcome to Stewart, and it was a silhouette of the beach with a bunch of tombstones on it. <laughs> <laughs> that's about right. <laughs> that's where I grew up. And then if you go a couple of miles inland, it's all agricultural community. The only thing in the town I grew up was Pratt Whitney, which is an engineering firm that made jet engines for the government. So you had like a really wealthy class of people whose parents were all engineers and government contractors, and then you had farm citrus farmers and then you had uh, the elderly and so it was a really strange community to grow up in extremely conservative extremely sleepy little town and so it was very hard to find someone to play dungeons and dragons with because their redneck dad with cowboy boots and no socks on would call you a queer <laughs> that's basically what it was so it was uh it was hard growing up that way but at the same time now that all this stuff other people see how great this content was and how much imagination and how some of the greatest writing in the world, some of the greatest content ever created, was created in these mediums that were sort of like fringe, and now people are literally openly weeping when they watch Captain America in Avengers Endgame or they watch Tony Stark die, and they're like, oh my god, I'm feeling so Spoiler many feels, alert. I'm like Whoa. yeah, <laughs> and then you're but so part of you goes like, hey man, I've loved this the whole time, this is my thing not your thing, but at the, at the same time, like thank god that other people like it now, because now stuff like this can get made, you know well, so, that's, the, that's also the game, game of Thrones phenomenon is watching the world love Game of Thrones and you're like I read that series twice before you ever even saw the first show. Before you knew it was before you knew it existed and I'm into stuff that's even deeper than that. You don't even know. You know. You don't even know. You don't even know. You made it through that book series twice, Bure? Do what? You made it through oh, the yeah. book series twice? Oh, yeah, twice? I read the entire series twice. Come on, Game of Thrones is the greatest uh, the greatest medieval fantasy series ever written, period. Incorrect. It beats everything. It beats Incorrect. them all. Well, remember the other day, m- m- the other day, the other day, Gary says to me, he's like, so, you, you know, you read much? I go, well, I'm kind of in the comic books right now. I'm not really reading. He goes, I read this great book. And he goes by uh, Patrick's, what was the guy's name? Patrick something. Like, R- Patrick Rothfuss, yeah. And I go, yeah, I don't really recognize the name. name of the he wind, goes, yeah, right? It's called The Name of the Wind. And I'm like, oh, my God, oh. The Name of the Wind. Oh, my Dude, God, that that's is the, the best book that's ever. The best Book. Oh that's the best God. book I've read in years. Yes, and the, 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 the second name yeah, making, King and, Killer and, and Guess what? They're making it into a miniseries. Mm-hmm. And, and guess what? The guy is like George R. R. Martin. It's going to be like 20 years before we get a third book in the series. Yeah. What the heck, dude? <laughs> exactly. Like. It, it's like, um, you know that feeling you get when you're waiting for the next episode of your favorite TV show to come out? Pretend the episodes come out like six years apart, and that's waiting for a, <laughs> that's waiting for a writer to come out with their next book. Especially Patrick Rothfuss, who I think, by the way, I love George R. R. Martin, and I literally have read every book and short story he's ever read. I love his writing. But Patrick Rothfuss makes George R. R. Martin look like he's still in college learning how <laughs> to punctuate no, properly. No, no, no. Patrick Rothfuss is... 
Can I just, by the way, can I just interrupt and say this is the best photography podcast I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, do you guys want to ask us any photography related questions at some point? Which is fine. We're totally fine talking <laughs> no, about this. Not stuff. really. I'm having fun right now. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just when are we gonna? When when are we gonna start the podcast? Because you know, time is ticking by here, and we Ser- really seriously, should start I, the podcast. I, I would just hang out and talk to you guys about I this. I just stuff. want to talk like, about cloth. If we're okay with that, in the name of the wind, if if, if you guys oh, are dude. cool. The name oh, of the wind I, is great. I, yeah, I could talk about that and that 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 book. That the way if you break down certain passages in that book, they read to me like the guy writes like a poet. He's unbelievable how he how he creates characters and he built in just two books has built an entire universe that you're like, oh my god, I want to see this. I want to live there. I want to go there. I want to read more and find out more about it. I think he's a more effective world builder than George R. R. Martin. And not only that, but he also writes people better his characters are more dimensional george r, r. martin is ba- he, he does a great job but one there are way too many characters in his books <laughs> like, yeah agreed. like yeah okay and so he does this amazing job but he has so many characters it's hard to differentiate between them as you're reading and you get and he does perspective chapters so every chapter is from a different character's perspective mm-hmm. and just when you're getting into it it switches to the next chapter and then it's another character and that's fine if it was like two or three but it's like 400 it's like there's it's like 400 characters and if you put down any of the Song of Ice and Fire novels for, you, let's say that you just get busy with life and you put the book down for a couple of weeks. You go back to it, you've completely forgotten what happened because there's too much to remember. And so that's the harder part about that. So, uh, but anyway, so I'm a professional photographer. That's what happened to me. I made it like three and a half books in, put a book down and then just never been able to get back into it because he introduced like a ton of minor characters in one of the books and I was like, I don't know any of these people and I don't know what's going on and well, you don't have to worry about it, Stephen, because he will kill them shortly. So they'll all die. Yeah, no, no, no question. So if we do want to talk about some more photography stuff, uh, we asked a while back if any of our listeners had questions for you guys. Um, Alex Bruce, one of our listeners, wrote in. He said he would we be really interested in hearing more about getting involved with the PPA. And he said that he's a member now, but he's never really gotten involved because it all looked like a, his words, bullshit waste of time. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, well, well. You want me to? You want me to to take this down the down the before you do road? I, yeah, I know. I know that Ray, When you ask Ray about PPA, it's like that scene in a Vietnam movie where your yeah. buddy and your platoon just stepped on a landmine, and you hear the click, and now you know <laughs> that something's about to go off. So before Ray goes down, I just want to say briefly. It was Alex was the listener's name. Yes. Say yep. Alex. Any organization that you join, whether it be your chamber of commerce, whether it be the Moose Lodge, whether it be whatever you get involved in uh, there's a there's a principle of reciprocity what you get out exactly what you put into it so if you can join ppa or any other organization and you pay your dues and then you just don't get involved it's absolutely a bullshit waste of money a hundred percent is a waste of money to pay your dues and not get involved like yeah if you're not going to be involved don't bother yeah, no, no. I'm, I've been a PPA member for 12 years, 13 years, and I've been very involved that entire time as a volunteer serving on committees, mm-hmm. and I've gotten more out of it than I can possibly say, but I have put a ton into it as well, and the return has been overwhelming. You cannot outgive an organization like this that is an organization for, not for every photographer. It's for pe- photographers who are volunteers, who care about the industry, who want to give back, and if you go into it with the mentality, what am I going to get out of it? You automatically, to me, are not 
the right type of person to be in the organization. However, you can learn how good it can be and learn to realize that the most important thing that you can do joining PPA is to become a part of a community that is hell-bent on preserving and advancing photography as an art, as a craft, and as a profession. And so, if you want to be involved to do it, if you're not going to get involved, you can have a successful career for many years and never even come near PPA, and that's fine. If you just want to pay your dues and wait for something to come to you, it is bullshit. It is a waste of time. But if you get involved, you will be blown away at the rewards that can come your way. Okay, well, Gary just gave you the, I think, more of the heart and soul, which is where I usually go. So I'm, he told you how he feels about the camera. And so I'm going to tell you now what the hardcore specs are about the camera, because maybe you're not a heart and soul guy. Um, I wouldn't be on this podcast if it wasn't for the PPA. I wouldn't mm-hmm. know Gary if it wasn't for the PPA. I wouldn't have a best friend if it wasn't for the PPA. Every friend I have on Facebook, with the exception of a few, all came to me through the PPA. My entire social network all came to me through the PPA. But, and this is what all that matters for some people... I would say this year alone, I have probably made uh, 10 years worth of PPA dues out of referrals that have come to me from other PPA members because I was a member of PPA because I knew PPA. I booked a wedding three weeks ago and I asked her how she found me. She said, I was looking for a good photographer and there's so many out there. And so, you know, I went to that Professional Photographers of America's website and I, look, and I looked on there because I figured, you know, I saw that you were a certified professional photographer and everything. And I thought, well, that's a guy who knows what he's doing. That wedding right there will pay for 10 years of dues mm-hmm. to the PPA, right? So if you, I mean, if you're a person who says, oh, all the, all the, oh, yeah, I got friends from the PPA. I don't need friends. You know, to, what's it going to do for me? I can tell you without fail that I have made back 10 times as much money as I put into the PPA, simply by networking, meeting photographers, making friends. We're having our headshots. We're having our, our, um, our bumper shots done and our promo shots done this week for our podcast by our good friend, Kevin Newsom. I would Newsom. not know Kevin Newsom had I not gotten involved in the Tampa area. Professional Photographer Association and the PPA. Kevin is the chairman of the Bylaws, Rules, and Ethics Committee uh, at PPA. Wouldn't even know Kevin if I hadn't got involved. One of my closest friends. When I had a piece of gear break, I put the call out. I have 12 photographers show up to give me gear, to, uh, to loan me gear to replace. All of them came to me through the PPA. So it absolutely changed my life. So you can look at the one side where it's all hard knowledge, where it's all, do I get my money back? Is it worth the money? And then you can look at the other side where you say, is it worth your life? Is it worth the friends that you make? I mean, Dustin and Steve, new friends, would not be here, would not know you if I had not joined the PPA. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, there, I, Gary and I both are in the same camp where I can't imagine my life today if I hadn't joined the PPA. I'd just be some guy off in a corner doing my wedding stuff and everything, but I wouldn't really know anybody or really be friends with anybody. Right. And, and here's the thing. We're not like zealots to where we're like in a, like people who you ever been in a conversation where you meet somebody and you haven't watched a show that they love, like the person who's obsessed with The Walking Dead. And then you tell them you've never watched it and they go, you've never watched The Walking Dead. Oh, my. How could you be missing The Walking Dead? Some PPA people are like that. They go mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, how could you not be a member <laughs> of PPA? But the thing that I understand about people that I think a lot of people miss, and I am uh, an advocate for PPA, and, I, and I'll never not pay my dues. I will never not be involved as long as I'm in professional photography. But the thing that I understand is that associations of any kind are not for everyone. They, they really do attract a certain type of person who gets it. And the difference is that most photographers, most people operating as professional photographers don't even know the PPA exists. 
And that's, that's just a fact. Like they, I mean, and they might come across or they might have heard it somewhere, but they don't know it and they don't understand. And that's fine. Like they'll probably be fine. Everything will be okay. But what P, who PPA attracts are the people who are, I'm not saying they attract only good photographers. No, there's a lot of crappy photographers everywhere. Uh, they only attract good people. No, they're a-holes in every association. But generally, they attract the people who want to be involved in a community that ha- relates to what they're doing and the people who have a sort of a spirit of volunteerism. Those are the ones who stick to PPA. Those are the ones who get involved and join and then stick and get sucked in because you can't, when you meet the staff and I know pretty much everybody on staff from the CEO all the way down to the person who answers the phones. I've met pretty much every, every one of the 50 or so staff members. I know most of the board of directors personally from years of being involved. And I will tell you that there isn't a single person I know that is in, involved in the running of that organization who absolutely isn't a volunteer at heart. And so who doesn't have the, the best the best interest of the entire photo industry at heart when they make the decisions that they make and when they do what they do. So, um, you know, and if you want to be involved in something like that, PPA is for you. You go on, have a career otherwise, and don't get involved. No problem. I don't, I don't care. It doesn't, it's not going to hurt me if you don't join PPA, but if you decide to, and if you get involved, I'm sure a hundred percent that you will right. find it to be worth, worth doing. If nothing else, go to Imaging USA mm-hmm. because Imaging USA will change you. Have you guys ever been to Imaging USA? I have not. Okay. No. Okay. Go to Imaging. Oh, mother love. You'll go, first time you go to Imaging USA, you'll, you'll just be like, oh my God. First of all, giant trade show. I mean, giant. You walk in, it's like going to Comic-Con, but it's all photography. Okay. So, so it's, there's the giant Canon booth. There's the Nikon. You know, there, there's all the major labs. There's, everybody's the giant trade show. And then all of these classes to, for you to go to. And then every night, you know, you're hanging out in the bar, you hang out in the restaurant, and you are surrounded. Everybody in the room knows what depth of field is. Everybody in the room, everyone in the room is your, I'm just saying, everyone in the room is your geek. You know, it's Comic-Con for photographers. Yeah, it it would, it would be like Steven walks into a room full of people whose favorite comic is Watchmen. And then you guys, you have something to (laughs) talk about, right? That's it. It's what it is. Everybody is into the same stuff. And, uh, there, and you know, you're not going to, it's not a thing. You're not going to get into a political discussion. You're not going to get into, all you're going to do is you're going to realize that you're in a room where everybody's into the same stuff. And I tell you, if, I, if you go twice, the second time you go, it's like a family reunion with 10,000 people. Oh my people. God. It's the best, the best, the best day of my year is the first day at Imaging USA. You get to Imaging USA, you're walking through the place and every five steps is, Hey Bob, Hey, hello from Oklahoma. How you doing? Yeah. And you, you suddenly, and every year you go and you meet new people and it becomes like a giant family reunion, like Gary and said. Is, yeah. And there's not a place in this country that I couldn't make a phone call and have a place to stay while I was traveling from photographers that I know through the PPA. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If I was in Oklahoma or Arizona or New Mexico or California, I could make a phone call and I could be having dinner with a good friend and, and you know, in, in minutes. Like it just, it, it is, if you're into it, if it's your thing, oh my gosh, it's so, it is very rewarding. Yeah. Well, yeah. This last year at Imaging, you guys were both out like on the floor doing video shows and stuff too, right? Not for Photobomb, but for other things. Yeah, Bure works for PPA, and he mm-hmm. does the sort of like Billy on the street thing for PPA. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's what like it is. Billy, <laughs> Billy on people. the street. That's exactly, that's exactly, that's an uncanny <laughs> reference. I, I hate that you have given away that I've stolen my entire show from Billy Eichner. That's exactly, exactly the way I do it, too. I just ambush people, scream at them in a high, shrill voice. <laughs> what kind of camera do you use? That's what I do. I, and I would d- love to watch that. 
and I do a Billy on the Street thing. I this past year I was doing very similar, but for a company called Front Row, which I uh, have done a class for. It's an online education website for photographers, kind of like a master class kind of mm-hmm. a thing. And so they were doing Imaging USA coverage, and I was Boo Ray and I were both doing the same job for two different two different entities. Yeah, and then we met and we did sort of Just like yelling a, at people in a high pitched shrill voice. Yeah, I, oh, I have a high and shrill voice as it is, so, you know, <laughs> hey, you know, who are these people? Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it was a lot of fun because, and, and the, uh, my problem was I got asked to do it. I did not seek the job out because obviously I'm a talker. Boo-Ray's a talker. We both know how to be on a microphone, how to be on camera. We can talk to anyone, you know, like Boo-Ray and I, you could talk, to, we could talk to a tree and the tree would talk back, but that's just who we are. And so people mm-hmm. seek us out to do stuff like this. And Boo-Ray had been doing this live from Imaging USA thing. And he does like the, the voice of God and the award ceremony. He does like, he's just got that voice and that presence and people seek him out, do stuff like this all the time. And I've always let that be his thing. And when I got asked to do it, I go, is Boo-Ray going to think that I'm copying him if I say yes to this? <laughs> oh, Gary, you copy me in all things. That's true. I am. <laughs> you know, why, why, get up, why get upset about this when you pretty much patterned your entire life after me? I'm That's your fair. mentor. We know. Yeah. It's okay it's a, to admit it. I don't want to use the word mentor like too lightly, you know, more like more godlike like a, figure. Godlike figure, yeah. I think, would be a better. Yeah. That's correct. That's, uh, yeah, I'd say that's, that's accurate. That's accurate. Like, like savior? <laughs> I, I, is hero too, too big of a word? Is hero too I big think, of a I word? I think it's accurate. I think enough. hero's good. I think hero's yeah, okay. good. We'll enough. go with hero. Hero's good. good. We'll I take it. So, hero's good. within the PPA, you guys also both, um, you judge. Like in the competitions every once in a while? No. Right? No. Gary no. is Gary is a juror, an approved oh, okay. juror. Gary's been through a class. He's gone and taught all over the country, gone and judged all over the country. He has been reviewed by other judges, and then he has uh, had those reviews looked at by the uh, committee, and then the committee uh, decided to ask him to become an approved juror for the PPA, which is a long and arduous and expensive process to go through. He has gone through all that. I are what's known in the industry as a uh, hack. I'm a hack who every once in a while gets asked to go judge like at the local competitions because they need somebody to judge. And I have no credentials whatsoever or qualifications or really ability to judge well. But I get asked to do it because I'm a master photographer. So when you when you need someone to judge your competition, at least a master photographer is somebody who has competed for years and years and years. At least they should have some idea of how the judging works. Mm -hmm. And so you get them to do it because you can't always get an approved juror like Gary. But if you can, you really want to get an approved juror like Gary, who has been through the meat grinder that you have to go through to be a juror. Because it, you have to go through a lot to be a juror. And then once you are a juror, it's constant scrutiny. And I'm, I'm speaking for Gary because so that he, cause, so to free him from having to do it. It's constant scrutiny. It's constant review. It's not like, okay, you're a juror and go and judge and have fun for the next 10 years. No, no. At any point, they may pull you. They may say, you know what, um, you're not quite doing things the way we want you done, or you're not doing them right, or you're starting to be too biased, and so we're pulling you. They are very, very, very meticulous about trying to keep the quality of the of the judging at the very highest level in the country. Technically, uh, the I'm still on probation. Yeah, te- that's right. Technically, you're still on probation. <laughs> you're and two Gary years of probation. And, Gary, yeah, and also, Gary's on the committee now that 
that, that does all the stuff I'm talking about mm-hmm. in terms of approving jurors and no, giving I'm the jury some uh, charge. I'm and all on that. the IPCC committee. There's two committees oh, okay. that, that, that right. govern oh, the competition. That's right. I got that right. There's one committee that's for the jurors, and there's one for running the actual competition. Mm-hmm. One's on the one rules. Runs. We do the rules right. for competition. If there's a yeah. challenge to the rules or a disqualification, we make the final determination on that. So the reason they did, they used to have one committee that judged, that made all the rules for competition and approved the jurors or whatever. And so there was a feeling among the board of directors that that committee had too much power over the situation and had Mm -hmm. too much to do as a committee. That's a big job. So they split it into two and you have the juror excellence committee, which reviews and approves new judge applications and makes rules for judges. And then there's the IPCC committee. Boy, this is really exciting stuff. The the IPC committee, (laughs) uh, which basically makes the rules for the competition. So we decide on, on how the rules change, how the images are judged and categories and things like that. By the way, he also. By the way, Gary also judges at, at uh, WPPI. He's mm-hmm. done that two or three years. He judges overseas in London. He's done that for two or three years. He's a big deal, Gary Hughes. Yeah. Big deal in the judging world. I'm me a much better judge hand, than a photographer. I'll tell you. Me that. on the other hand, yes. Me on the other hand, I'm a hack who sits in the back of the room and and and, and talks bad about how the, all the judges. That's, nice. Hey, don't talk that's bad that's about Boo Ray Perry. Yeah, He's my me. hero. That's me. I'm, I'm, I'm the guy. I'm the guy who doesn't judge, but tells you you're doing it wrong anyway. That sounds familiar, Steve. <laughs> when when Gary says that he's on probation, uh, does that mean like he hasn't been a juror for very long, so he's on probation? And, like they're testing him out, or does that mean like he's the bad boy of the juror world and like he did some really crazy stuff and he got put he's on, on probation? Double sec- he's on double secret probation. Yeah. yeah. The, okay. the, the the only thing that I do that gets me in trouble is well, so there there are a few. There's so much like when it comes to PPA judging, there's so many rules of conduct. And that that that's more. There's more rules of conduct almost than rules of ju- how to actually judge the images, because one of the things that they want to do is they want to they want to make it level the playing field, and they'll make any rule they possibly can to keep one judge from run, from bullying other judges on a panel or intimidating other people, or just because like. As you might imagine, fellas, I am often the loudest person in the room. Mm-hmm. Who, who no. and, yes, and it is it is very common for me to, uh, especially when I was younger, to have to be the center of attention and not, not let someone get a word in edgewise. But on a judging when he was, panel, when he was younger, yeah. No, no, not not anymore. You wouldn't have even been able to say that 10 years ago. That's how much I would be talking. But they will, they basically, it trains you. And and this is going to be, this is going to sound goofy, right? And this is going to sound, because I'm not an airy fairy person. I'm not like a heart and soul guy. But I will tell you that learning to judge and work as part of a team and learn to have to listen to other people's opinions and respond, because you cannot phone it in. Like Bure said, if somebody is, is talking and you're not addressing their concerns with your responses, they'll pull you like they will pull you and if you're not flexible with your scores if you're not listening and changing with the rest of the panel if you're not working as a team they'll pull you they won't approve you they you will not come off probation and so because probation is basically when you get your first approval by the committee then you have a two-year probationary period and then you're then you're full so i'm, I'm just coming to the end of my probationary period is just about to end as a matter of fact mm-hmm. um i'm just glad i'm just glad that you're not an airy fairy person i'm not airy fairy <laughs> Yeah, not, yeah. If you would like to define for us what an airy-fairy person is, that would help us all a great deal. Well, yeah. think about the person, you know, who uh, meditates and uh, and is a vegan, and then if you, anytime you say anything in conversation, they have to make it about feelings, you know? Okay. Person, the person that's, who can't. That's, that's an airy-fairy person? Yeah, oh yeah. All right. I feel you like know, we bring nothing to this podcast today, but this new word for the listeners 
of the wedding hangover podcast. Here we go. Airy this fairy <laughs> is a new description because I because until today I've never heard airy fairy referred to uh, in terms of a person. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I got that. You know who said it? It was a Ted Danson. Ted Danson. Ted, I, it was, Ted Danson I was listening to an interview that Ted Danson did on <laughs> Sam Jones podcast uh, off camera with Sam Jones. By the right. way, is a phenomenal podcast, and uh, and he and he had used that. And I said, that's a great way to describe right. people like fairy. that. Yeah. All right. They're yeah. gonna be like, okay. I was watching an old episode of Cheers, and which one? I've watched them all three or four times. That's one of the best. Uh, and it, it, I don't think a show like Cheers would be very popular anymore, you know, because we we expect a Game of Thrones now. Oh, I oh I disagree. Come on, Big Bang Theory. They only pulled it off the year air because they wanted to. It was still the biggest sitcom, and Cheers every bit is good or better than Big Bang. Theory. Yeah, I, I guess that's fair because you have Friends and Seinfeld and and Big Bang yeah. Theory. Two and a Half Men was like one of the most popular shows in the world, uh, but at the same time, I don't like those shows. I think they're very. I think the Big Bang Theory is one of the worst. TV shows ever created. I think it's right. a show about smart people for stupid people. Is I, what I, think the it first, is. I liked it the first couple of seasons, and then when it became mainstream, it, it, it gets to the point that the audience just laughs when you enter the room. How many times is this funny? Penny, Penny, yeah. Penny. Like, we get it. 400 times, we get it. Would you just, like, write something good? I, I get Zinga, it. Like, you're really lighting them up over there. Jeez. Yeah, no. I Look, all those actors are great, and I have nothing against those people, but I seriously, like, shows like that just... I could. I, I have so little time. I have toddlers and a pregnant wife and a business to run. I have no flipping time for Penny, Penny, Penny. Wow. Show me something. Give me something. Wow. Give me something I haven't seen, wow. or, or you can go straight to hell. Like I'm bored you, with you. I'm you, done. You should. You should try to be a little more airy fairy. <laughs> I should be. <laughs> right now is what I'm saying. I'll calm down. Sorry. I'll simmer down. Okay. I bet. I think. I, I feel like what you said about Cheers was. Uh, Accurate. I don't. I don't feel like it would do well now because Sam and Diane's relationship is just so incredibly toxic at first. I don't think that it plays is, very yeah. well uh, in this day and age as a comedy. I think it could do well as a drama now, but comedy. I think. <laughs> Cheers, would, the drama. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it would be more like uh, Big Little Lies or whatever than it would be Cheers. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because one of the things I've always found fascinating is that when Mash played in England, mm-hmm. right? It played without a laugh track. And so someone Whoa. who grew up in England watching MASH will tell you that their perception of that show was totally different than our, our perception. Like to them, MASH was not really that much of a comedy. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty dark when you really yeah, there was got no, There was no it. laugh track on MASH. And they, they, didn't think it was, they didn't think it was that much of a comedy. They just thought it was a show about the Korean War. The film that the show was based on was incredibly dark. Like, mm-hmm. it was an incredibly dark film. It was a dark comedy for sure. And so they, you know, but that's an interesting way to look at it because they dealt with some really heavy themes. Interestingly enough, I think that the conflict in Korea lasted uh, three and a half years, but MASH ran for 11. Yeah. <laughs> like and the show ran three times as long as the actual Which, Korean War did. Oh yeah. my God, are we going to talk about photography? Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Dustin, did you have Gary, a... Was, well, Gary was speaking about how he didn't have time for things, and I was curious why you stopped uh, doing wedding photography. Oh, right, because this is a wedding photography-centric podcast. I was walking... You know, funny enough, Dustin, I was walking out the door, and my wife goes, they know you don't shoot weddings anymore, right? And I go, I think that's going to end up being kind of a thing we talk about or whatever on the show. Um... Gosh, here we go with the airy fairy stuff again. Uh, but I, I grew my my parents were wedding photographers. They recently retired, closed their business a few years ago. But every meal, every utility bill, everything, every piece of clothing on my back, 
as a child was paid for with their photography studio, their business. And so I grew up from people who were small business owners, entrepreneurs, and creative professionals. And here's the thing. My parents were wedding photographers, and anyone who knows anything about wedding photography knows that wedding photographers work seven days a week. There's no question. If you get an inquiry on a Sunday, you're answering it. If your phone rings on a Sunday, you're going to answer it. And you're going to be meeting clients all week, editing images. You're going to shoot a wedding on Saturday, sometimes a Saturday and a Sunday. Wedding photographers work more than almost any other type of photography, and you work a lot of nights and a lot of weekends. That's just the job. My parents did the very same. And when I was a kid, if there was a field trip, a Cub Scout thing, a football game, a soccer match, all of that stuff, I was a kid who more often than not had to ride with another kid's family to the game, to the mm-hmm. thing, and because my parents were working. And I was really proud of them, and I was really like really proud of them for what they did. And at the time, I, didn't, I wasn't mad about it, but when I found out, the minute I found out I was going to be a father... Uh, the first thought I had was, oh my God, I'm scared and all this, you know, all the airy fairy family stuff. The second thought that burned its way across my brain was, I got to get out of the damn wedding business because mm-hmm. I am not going to miss a ballet recital. I am not going to miss a soccer match. I am not going to miss anything on these kids because of my job. My job exists so that I can have a life. My job is not going to be my life. And I made that decision. Um, and that's why I got out of the wedding business. I love shooting weddings. Shooting weddings is awesome. It's fun. It's exciting. It's challenging and it's emotional and it's the best day of most people's lives or the worst, but mostly the best day of people's <laughs> lives. And you get to be there. I always looked at it as sort of a sacred responsibility. I think that's why we have so much anxiety shooting weddings is because we know what a big deal it is. And there's a lot riding on it and you have to be as a photographer good at every single discipline underneath the photographic umbrella you have to be able to photograph products you have to be able to photograph architecture you have to be able to do portraits you have to be able to do groups you have to do all of it and you have to be good at it and you have to nail it under very often the worst possible circumstances and i ate that up that just feeds my soul but i needed to be home and so it took about two years i shot my last wedding almost four years ago mm-hmm I will take the other side and say that for those of you who may have just heard what Gary said and you're like, oh my God, he's right. I have to quit weddings, uh, that there are upsides to shooting weddings as well. For example, he's right about missing things. I miss things all the time, but I'm also a little bit older and I come from a generation where I didn't take dance classes five days a week that my father was expected to be at the way that, you know, the kids are today. My, my, I didn't grow up in a, in a generation where your parents were going to be at everything that you did. Also, you didn't do as much when I was a kid. So my, my kids do so much more than I ever did. And I think it's unrealistic for them to expect me to be there for everything they do. But there's also other upsides. For example, I picked up my kids from school every single day as a wedding Mm -hmm. photographer because I could pick them up at noon or at three o'clock. I went to whenever they had a a, a thing at school, an awards ceremony or whatever, I was able to go because I don't have a regular job. I don't have to ask off from work, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when they're off for a week from school, much more likely that I can take them to movies or something at noon on a Tuesday than it is for uh, the parents who've got regular jobs or a regular studio that is that's open nine to five and they have to be there all day. So there's, you know, I think if you shoot, shoot weddings, it's a conversation you have to be, have ongoing with your kids because there have been times when my daughter has said, you know, wow, I really wish you could go to that thing. You know, and then she says, but, but I get it. I understand. You know, we have to make money. And also, I understand I see you every day. Because I always say, you understand, I pick you up from school every day at 2.30. And your friends get on a little bus that takes them to some camp where they stay until their parents pick them up at 6. 
right? And, and, and they're there at some little camp every day for three and a half hours. So their parents pick them up, rush home, eat dinner, and go to bed. Whereas you come home to me and your mom, both in the house every day at, you know, 2.30 in the afternoon. That's what you get. And the trade-off is that I maybe can't go to your dance recital on Saturday because I have to shoot a wedding. Mm-hmm. That's totally fair. Yeah, absolutely. But I get to do both. Yes. Yeah. We'll see oh. Gary now. Gary gets to do everything. Not he gets to pick his kids up from school. Go to, yeah, he gets to do it all. Bastard. Yeah. I'm, I'm living the dream, basically. <laughs> you're yeah. a, well, so what we're basically, what we've really stumbled on is the fact that you're a terrible parent. I am awful. awful. <laughs> I'm absolutely awful. I am. Here's what I think is funny, though. You ever take pictures of your kids? And when you're taking pictures of your kids, you treat them exactly the way that you tell parents not to treat their kids when you're taking pictures of their kids. Like, you know, you're taking pictures of someone else's kids and the parents are like, hey, hey, smile, turn, turn to the left. And you're like, hey, calm down. It's fine. I Just chill this. out. We got lots of time. Just relax. You know, she'll come around. We'll be able to get some good pictures. It'll be fine. And then you go take pictures of your own kids and you're like, hey, hey. You but do you, you stand right and do it? Listen, I don't have all day. A and photographer's your, kids should know better. Yeah, you do. Yeah, but, you, but you treat them exactly the way that you tell parents not to treat their kids at a at a at a session. The di- the difference is you can like threaten with like grounding or you know no TV later. Turn towards that window or no TV tonight. Yeah. Uh, whenever we do family photo sessions at the studio, my wife brings the kids in and we do this every couple of months and we photograph the kids. I swear to God, it is the most tense time in our family. We are a very we don't yell much. Our house is generally as calm as it can be, full of toddlers. We're very like mostly calm parents, mostly calm life. Are we got a, we got a neighbor who who they all they do they got three kids and they're just yell they're just a ball of five people just in like a charlie brown type of dust cloud just yelling at each other and it's true and we're like oh thank god we're not them but then when we go into the studio take pictures of our kids that's exactly what we are we are just that bad or worse and it's just because you know for me my mentality is my kids know the drill and they're being buttholes anyway that's right. why i'm angry at you because right. like you it's know what way. to do my kids give me a hard time and i'm like listen how long have you been the, the daughter of a photographer can you just please accept the fact that I'm going to be taking pictures of you all the time and just get used to it? I was at the school uh, just the other day for the end of band camp, and they were doing their thing, and we're in a big thing, like a cafeteria, and I'm just taking candies of the kids, and I turn and I take a couple of candies of, the, of their friends, and their friends immediately are looking at me to smile for the picture, and, uh, and, and, Samantha, and Samantha goes, oh, don't do that. Yeah, he's going to take pictures all the time. Just ignore him. And I was like, that's my girl. <laughs> that's my girl. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you very much. It only took 16 years to get you to that. Yeah. That's is awesome. Is Samantha your oldest or youngest? Yeah, my oldest. My oldest is Samantha. She's 15, and then my youngest is Mackenzie. She's 13. Mm-hmm. Good kids, too. Good kids. Oh, great kids. Is it hard as you get older with your kids? Because, like, right now, my son's eight and my daughter's three. So they don't have right. a lot going on on weekends. But, like, I remember when I was a kid around like 10, 11, I started doing like a lot of sports on the weekends and stuff. Uh, do you find it's harder now that they're getting older because they might have more things going on on the weekends or? Yes. It, mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, if you if you have a kid that gets into something heavy, like Samantha was into dance and she literally went to dance uh, four or five days a week and plus she had recitals and stuff. But you just, we're very open with our kids. And I mean, I, I try to never lie to my kids and I try to really bring them in on adult concepts kind of early. So they understand that part of life is that you have to work and you have to make money and that, her, that we have to work. And they understand that. Remember that trip that we took to the mountains where we rented that cabin for the entire 
entire family for for Christmas, and we all went and all that. Remember all that stuff? Yeah, we were able to do that because when you were at your recital, I was making five thousand dollars at a wedding. Mm-hmm. So you understand that I could be here more for you on everything that you do, but the flip side is you're not going to get a new bike. Yeah. <laughs> you <know? laughs> so you have to you have to give them. You have to make sure that they understand. You know, delayed reward. They have to understand that there is a reward that you get for sacrifice, which helps them in their entire life. You know, there's a sacrifice that you make by not letting your by ha- not having your dad at your recital. But the reward is that you get more Christmas presents, or you you know you get in, you get a tutor to help you get into a better college, or whatever it is that you need in life because your dad is making money that we need to provide these things. And you know, it's so important, especially now with helicopter parenting. Being what it is to make sure that your kids understand that that life is about sacrifice and reward mm-hmm. and that everything isn't given to you and that you have to work hard to earn it and so i think it's a you know gary knows like gary said you know this he was most likely to be the, the kid who had to get a ride to the event but yet he was also very proud of his parents because he saw how hard his parents worked uh, to make a life for him i think the children of small business owners get it more than most though steven to be honest with you mm-hmm. you know like your kids are already probably because your son is older than my kids and um they're they're gonna know like there's going to be stuff that they're going to understand that you don't even tell them. They, you know, the kids are, especially if they're not dumb. If your kids are smart, your kids are probably smart. You're a smart guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you just met me. <laughs> okay, so uh, yeah, kids are intuitive. They get. I believe that they get a lot more than you think that they do. If you hear your kids talk to someone else, you can go, oh man, they really do know the deal, and. You know, you're a small business owner. They see you working. And even on the times when they seem frustrated by what they can't have or can't do or where you can't be, they're secretly, what they can't tell you is how proud they are to see you doing that. And they're going to take that and use it and do that in their own life. They're going to model themselves after you. And you're not going to see it until much later on that mm-hmm. the effect that you've had on them by showing them what it is to work and to have a business that you're passionate about and to pour yourself into something. You can tell your kids things all you want and they'll absorb a certain amount of the things that you tell them but what they're really going to absorb and emulate is, is how you behave and what you're showing them by sacrificing the stability of a nine to five job to to follow your passion and to do what you love for a living that's going to be a, a lasting impact on them that you could you couldn't drill that into them if you tried but you will by showing them that it's possible to do it you're showing them a way to live your life that other parents never get to show their kids and it will come back. I mean, I had an airy fairy moment uh, just the other day with my youngest daughter <laughs> where she got accepted into a travel choir. I didn't even know such a thing existed. So this is like travel baseball. She's going to have to travel and perform. And there's a cost that's incurred. And she came to me and said, here's all the information. And uh, the money is due on this date. And uh, it's going to be this much money. And I know, you know, that money being what it is and everything, I know that maybe we can't afford to do it. But but I did, you know, I did. I did want to show you this this thing. And I'm and I'm like, you know, almost tearing it up. I'm like, there's no way in hell you're not doing this thing. <laughs> you know, I will find the money. I will sell a kidney. You're doing it. You are you're doing, doing this thing. You know, so that I'm like, no, I'm like, sweetie, you're absolutely doing this. She's like, are you sure? Because the money, I'm like, trust me, you're doing this. You're not, mm-hmm. you're, you're not not doing this because I can't find the money. And it really wasn't that much money. But, um, <laughs> you know, especially because she has an older sister who, you know, she watched go off and do things for years and years and years. And we paid for that. So there's no way I'm telling you, you can't do this. But I was so proud that she was prepared to get the no 
And she was prepared to accept the no because, you know, life is a business and mm -hmm. money is important. And um, so it comes back to you. You're only eight. You're not seeing it yet. Right now, right now, I think it's tougher. I think it gets easier as they get older. And like Gary said, if you have good kids. Now, if you've got <laughs> horrible kids, then they're like me when I was 16, yelling at my mom because I can't get any dates because I don't have a nice car. And my mom giving me the classic line that if a girl it wasn't the car, boot. Yeah, it wasn't the car. If a girl only wants to go after you because of your car. You got a problem. Yeah. Everyone else got a nice car, mom. I love it. Yeah. So typically, like, we we answer some questions that are kind of weird and out there from uh, the internet. Typically we from haven't Facebook been doing groups. That, that no. hasn't been pretty much. No, we question. haven't done that okay. yet. Are you uh, so weirder than what that? we've been doing? Oh, yeah. Even weirder. Okay. Do you guys want to do some Q&A with us? Let's do it. All right. Yeah, you got it. Let's do some Q&A. But, but Steve... Emily from a random Facebook group asks, can I wash a lens wipe in the washing machine or do I just need to buy a new one? Asking because I was doing headshots last week at a business. The CEO, a very old man, was chewing gum. I asked him if he could spit it out. He looked confused. There wasn't a trash can around, so I grabbed a lens cloth and held out my hand for him to spit the gum out in it. He spat all over the cloth and my hand, but there was no gum just a heavy chewing tobacco smell wtf so is that washable or is that just trash okay first first of Blu all Ray, I'll please take, take I'll, it i'll take this one first of all boil your hands <laughs> forever the boiling of the hands boil your hands and why would you want to wash the lens cloth literally i don't know if you've noticed this but if you order anything you get a free lens cloth now like it's seriously you order a squatty potty Here's a free lens cloth with your squatty potty. I, yeah. I must have. You get a you get a Big Mac at McDonald's. They hand you a lens cloth through the drive-through window. Uh, right? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've got I've got like thirty lens cloths sitting in a bowl right next to me right now. Why would you wash a lens cloth? I like that you, you guys' examples are squatty potties and fast food. It's just lens yeah. cloths are just toilet paper, I guess. <laughs> Not to, mention, not to mention, this happened to me this week. I actually, I went to buy some of those pre-moistened little towelettes that you can buy that are for cleaning your glasses. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you buy more of them... Are those they, behind you on the desk right there? That's Is that what I'm saying? On the desk. If you buy more, they're cheaper per unit. So I'm like, oh, well, I'll buy 400. Not realizing that if you, if you can see behind me on the desk, there's like a tower behind me box <laughs> with 400 lens wipes in it for like a five-year supply of lens wipes. It cost me $19. Yeah. Po you know, pony up a saw buck and buy yourself some <laughs> some lens wipes and throw that thing away. What is a saw buck? It's a $20 bill. <laughs> yeah, it's a $20 bill. And just throw the lens wipes away, buy yourself some pre-moistened towelettes, enjoying the 21st century. Dude, did you have to time travel back to the Prohibition era to pull saw buck out of a thesaurus? <laughs> saw buck, yeah. Good God almighty. I, well, yeah, it's that, funny you I say bet. that because I just bought like an 800 count of Excedrin like because I'm like yeah. on Amazon. It's like, wow, the unit price gets really cheap if you buy it like like I own a drugstore. Yeah, it's like a nickel, but if I if it's five cents a peach. But if I buy a thousand, it's four cents a piece. Oh yeah. wow, that's a huge savings for well, you. Well, you can buy the ones on Amazon that they have at, at you know you ever go to a gas station and they have those individual packets of two pills of of, of painkillers. You can buy like two aspirin or two whatever. Yeah, just like that. And I uh, and I bought that of Excedrin. And so like uh, you know if I've got and I take by the way my convention travel kit includes about a hundred. Excedrin, because you're always drinking too much and staying up too late when you're at a, con a photography conference. Happens you know every my, time. You know what my kit. You know what my kit includes uh, lens cleaning, pre moistened towelettes. 
<laughs> Ed, look, you're going to have those in every crevice in your home. They're in my car. They're next to my bed. They're here on my desk. They're, they're in every room in the house. If I need to clean a lens on my camera or on my face, I have got that pre-moistened towel yeah. right there. Or yeah, yeah. on my screen or anything. I'm ready to go because I spent a sawbuck, ladies and gentlemen. And being prepared for the next five years. It's it's the impetus of that question that really gets to me. Like, how do you go through the mental process? She must be sitting there with a soiled lens cloth in her hand next to her on the desk or something while she goes, you know what? I should really crowdsource this question. I should really put this out there to see what other professional photographers are doing with their soiled lens cloth. For Christ's sake, just get a new lens cloth. You can get them for free. I bet if you Googled free lens cloths, you'll find every company in the world will mail you... They'll even pay the postage. Just put it in the trash, you idiot. And, no, okay, sorry. Next question. All right, all right. Next, Next question, question all right. please. Christy from a random Facebook group. I ate a sucker. I found it on the floor of my studio after a family photo session. My throat feels scratchy, and I'm a little under the weather. Would it be okay to ask the mom if her child has been sick recently? I just need to know okay. what I've got. Can I, can I have right. this one? All right. Does knowing where the cold came from change the fact that you have a cold? <laughs> or are you trying to identify the particular virus that you've been infected with and get some advice on how to take... You've got a cold, you idiot. Don't eat food off the floor. My three-year-old knows that. All right? So do me a favor and stick your head inside of a microwave and turn it on high because you are too stupid to live. Right. Okay, Whoa. next question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go the other way and just say, listen, you've got the herp. You need to go ahead and go see a doctor. And they've got great drugs for that now, but you've got the herp. So go ahead and uh, where, go ahead and see some. Where are you getting these questions? Is, is there a Facebook group called Dumb Photographers? It's every Facebook group. <laughs> By the way, I love this bit, and we may have to steal this for. We are going to totally steal this, this bit. Is a for great, our show. This is a great. This is a great bit, guys. I love this. You got After we wrap this show, you got to tell us where you're getting these questions. These are phenomenal. <laughs> Um, for a small price, Steve will package these and sell them to you. <laughs> oh, great. You okay. Individually, great. if you buy idea. an 800 count, it's only four cents a <laughs> yeah. unit. That's right. You can keep them all over your house. Because we don't get questions like that. Our, our listeners give us questions that are like hardcore, deep, technical questions that you know we can't even answer. And then you, Oh, we get you, those too. We just, we just throw those to the wayside. Or they're writing into the show to let us know something we got wrong. I can't be bothered to answer the hardcore questions because <laughs> it's boring to me, and I don't know the answers. So, all right, that's yeah, all. Yeah. That's all fair. Heavy, that's heavy fair. on reason number two. Yes. <laughs> Ruth from a random Facebook group asked, trying to set up a drip coffee shoot with model with coffee poured over her body. How hot is too hot for the water? <laughs> Have a big human-sized filter and lots of coffee already. Please, no coffee sales. Just need to know how hot is too hot for human skin. All right. I, I've, got, I've got this one. Okay. First of all, Stephen, you've got the herp. You need to see somebody about that. Okay. Go, go see somebody and get that taken care of. First of all, uh, the coffee shoot uh, doesn't have to be coffee. Talk to a food photographer because it doesn't have to be, be coffee. And I don't know, Gary, how do you feel about, how do you feel about the, the, bringing in the models and covering them in some gunk to produce a picture. I mean, is this something you have any desire to do? Because I have no desire to do this sort of photography at all. Yeah, to me, to me, that's sort of like a, uh, an Instagram sort of oddity. I go, oh, that's cool that they did that. But the only thing I can think about is cleaning up my studio afterwards. So, <laughs> no, I'm not interested. You know? But the, the thing is, one, 
I, I, like, I want to answer this on a technical level. I want to be like, well, the human body's 98.6 degrees average temperature. You probably don't want the, the liquid to be too much hotter than that. And second is, what the hell are you thinking? Like, what is the matter? Like, and where are you going to find a model that goes, you're going to, how, how, not only it's amazing that there's somebody this stupid, but that they could find somebody who's stupid enough to let them pour oh, coffee on oh, them. Oh, oh, not stupid at all. Are you kidding? Facebook is full of millions of girls who will do anything if you'll just take their picture. It's sad. Clearly. Clearly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. So how about this? Go ahead and, and make a big batch of coffee and, and let it cool to room temperature. And then you can use that. Or how about you just throw out this whole stupid idea in the first place? Because you know what? Because Vogue is not interested in your stupid coffee picture, you moron. You should just go back to whatever you were doing before you picked up a camera. And by the way, if you, have you ever been to New York? Go to the Brooklyn Bridge. It's a delightful walk. And while you're there, jump off it. Here's here's the thing about that sort of thing. There are if you're going to be the guy who's doing the coffee pouring on a model's head kind of photography, you need to be prepared to dedicate your life to being very very good at it because the people who do that and do it well, Eric uh, Caparis, what's the last name, Gary? Caparis, I think. Yeah, yeah Eric Caparis, for example, they are so good at it, and their Photoshop True. skills are so deep that your attempt to do it is going to look just sad compared right. to compared to the level of a guy like that or a guy like Dan McClanahan. It's going to be a Pinterest fail, big time. <laughs> so if that's what you want to do, you need to dedicate your life to being the best at it. Otherwise, you're just going to be an also run. However, you can be a mediocre wedding photographer and still make a living at it. Yeah, because, you know, you know, you know, you can, you can, you can be a, a, an okay portrait photographer and still make a living at it. But if you're going to be the guy who wants to take a picture of a, a kid with his head frozen inside an ice cube, <laughs> you better be the, you better be the best in the world at it. And even then, you'll be lucky if you can sell one. Yeah, that goes. That goes. That is so funny. The swing on that is so hard. Like it goes from being hokey to being amazing in like that there's that line is so thin and it's it's like going on pinterest and looking up cake fails have you ever looked up cake fails mm -hmm. like this is what it looked like and this is what you tried to do that's photographers trying to replicate stuff although i did tell someone to kill himself with a microwave and to commit suicide off the brooklyn bridge but uh to, to back that up seriously though there is a really good idea to replicate stuff to get your skill set down right like you, mm -hmm, that's a sure. that's a legit thing and so you you can do the coffee shoot i wouldn't uh you could do the head in the ice cube shoot and you're gonna learn something it doesn't mean it's gonna be good but just maybe don't share it on the internet until you until you nail it that's just my personal advice <laughs> until you really get it right don't share it on the internet dustin you want to take the last question I would love to. Brandon. Oh, Dustin's from a here. Hey, Dustin. Hey, hey Justin. Hey. <laughs> it's not Justin. We were, we, it's Dustin with a D. Uh, Justin, Dustin. You know, I, I should know his name. He's been talking so much. <laughs> yeah, he's really, he's out there. He's just watching, the, he's listening to the show. <laughs> just, just an audience member. Yeah. <laughs> Brandon from a random Facebook group asked the following. I made the mistake of using my first two initials when picking a name for my photography company oh boy they are b and j so yep you guessed it bj photography it was funny at first <laughs> but i keep getting gross emails and it's hard to filter the spam out what should i rebrand as well you know Go ahead, my, first, my first my first my 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 first <laughs> Okay, my first three suggestions can't be said. Um, <laughs> um, but they can. They can be yeah, said. Oh, well, you know, you might try um, 
anal rimming photography, I think would get you some more mm -hmm. SEO. Perhaps fist. <laughs> Ooh, Toss Salad Studios. Fisting photography, always yeah. good. Um, two girls, one cup photography, also popular with the search engines. <laughs> You could just go le like lead right into it and be is. like uh, butt plug photography. It's fine. Like whatever. Yeah, yeah. Butt plug photography would be good. Anal beads. Yeah, you could do it. No BJ problem. photography. That's great. God, that's so great. BJ photography. That, 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 I can't. That that's legitimately good. However, you could be the other way around. You could be a female photographer. In which case, your name would be what, Gary? All female photographers have the same name for their business, and it uh, it's, is it, it's it's the FM girls. Yeah. It's their, first, it is? Their, their first and middle name. Yes. Right. Yeah. All, like, all female photographers, it's, it's actually Elizabeth Photography. Yeah, it's, it's something. <laughs> like, if you... Uh, it, actually, here's a game. You guys want to play a game real quick? While we, I think if we have... Since, since we have so much time left. Um, if, you, <laughs> if you can think of any two female... A combination of two female names... Whether and that 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 are conceivably a first and middle name that a real person might have, and you put the word photography after it, I guarantee if you Google it right now that that business exists. Googling uh, go. Ashley Madison photography right now. Let's see what pops up. Yep. All right. I'm, yep. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it right. We now. call this the Ashley. FM Girls game. And, and here's the thing: if, the, if if it exists, you have to take a shot. Now, if you read their about section and they mention Jesus, you have to take a shot. If they mention coffee, you have to take a shot. So the new, the new Ashley Madison, uh, yeah. AshleyMadison.com. That's not, I don't think that's not. Isn't that uh, the, that scandalous dating site? Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a dating app for people who want to cheat on their spouses. Yeah. And, there, and then there's Madison Ashley Photography in Huntington Beach, California. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then there's Ash, Ashley Madison Photography, uh, mm -hmm. which is in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Yep. There you go. See, you, any, any two names, you can pick them. I don't know if it works with men, though it is a little bit sexist. I realize it's a little bit sexist. But this was a thing that originated probably in 2006 when the recession got really bad. And a lot of people who were photography enthusiasts who maybe lost their job or they had a spouse or partner who lost their job and they were trying to make extra money. Let's just say that the ease of access to equipment and the affordability of professional photography equipment and then the insurgence of people who were trying to make extra money on the side, the photography industry was just inundated with new photographers in a way that it had not been for it ever really and mm -hmm. so a lot of people were blamed they call them they call them the moms with cameras which i always found offensive because my mom was a mom with a camera so but basically this wave of new mostly young female photographers came into the industry and so this is a drinking game that came from these like sad <laughs> old man conventions where we uh, a bunch of like old men who used to be great photographers were sitting around like complaining about all the new people in the industry and so that's where this, the, the drinking game came from, but I also find it pretty funny, especially if you get the bonus Jesus shot at the end. That's a really, that's a real winner. You find that about section, and oh, oh the word passion. If they say passion yes, in, their, oh, in yeah. the about section, the word passion has to be in the website. Right, right, absolutely. And they, and yeah. they love their, and they love their dog. Yeah, <laughs> if, yes. and bonus shot if their dog is in their about photo with them. Yeah. Oh. And if they right. are a husband and wife team, you have to finish the whole bottle. <laughs> like that's, mm. that's what do you have to do if they're drinking a cup of coffee in their about me picture with their dog and their spouse and business partner <laughs> i think you have to jump off the brooklyn bridge to be honest with you i think that's uh, you have to get on a plane to new york and jump off a bridge so, and in and in the about picture the background has to be brighter than the foreground a hundred percent a hundred percent background has to be overexposed and if they're wearing a jaunty hat extra points yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's just like a checklist hat. of everything that's popular in photography. Yeah. Right now. The jaunty hat, suspenders, that's a big one. Yeah, if they're wearing suspenders, yeah, for sure. 
That's a dress like someone from Clockwork Orange. So I have to ask you guys a question. You've been asking us a question. I have to ask you guys yeah. a question. How long have you been doing the podcast? I've been listening since episode one, of course, but I forget well, uh, how long what, that's been. What podcast? <laughs> <laughs> this one, I assumed this was a podcast. Just, Are we just having fun? This is that just a huge honeypot trap. Yeah, no. Yeah, we just <laughs> wanted to catch up with you guys. How long have you, how long have you been doing the podcast? Seriously. Uh, when this episode goes out, it'll be the first episode of our, after two years of doing this, I think. Two years? Yeah. Wow. It'll be two years on August 17. Wow. So, so you knew, you knew we were going to, so you knew we were going to be on the show. Mm-hmm. So did you go and listen to our podcast because you knew we were going to be on the show and you wanted to be able to ask us relevant questions or do you actually listen to our podcast? That's a guy. I wanted to ask that too. You guys actually listen to the show or, or did you, did you do your research? Mutual listener, Jimmy Ferrara told me uh, maybe a year ago, he said uh, that our podcast reminded him of this other podcast he loved with your guys' podcast, and I should check it out, because he said you guys were doing something similar to us where... It's kind of about photography. No, no, let's be kind clear. You're doing. No, let's, be, uh, let's be clear. You're doing something similar to us. <laughs> yeah, that's yes. fair. Yeah, come on. Yes, come that on. is that is correct. I, I misworded that. You guys have been doing this for five years, so. But but Jim Ferrara isn't so much a fan of the show as a stalker who's probably going to murder us and turn us into a yeah. skin tuxedo one day. Like he he is obsessively. <laughs> been a part of the show pretty much since we started and he is the first to write in to comment and uh you know he is uh he's on it i've even gotten like text messages from him when an episode drops responding to something that was in the show so yeah jim is i would say number one photobomb super fan yeah so anyway the reason i asked is because but you've been doing it for two years so you're past the point of of getting any advice but if you're a new podcaster or you're thinking about doing a podcast uh, i would i would give you this very weird piece of advice which is uh don't listen to other people podcasts. That's what I do. If you want to have a, because a podcast should be really all about you and what you want to do. And it's really easy to get caught up in listening to other people and thinking, oh, wait, I should emulate that. I should, they don't know what they're doing either. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The best thing you can do is to be yourself and go your own route and then hope that you get a listener base from it. And even if you don't get a listener base, you'll have more fun doing it. You know what I mean? So like, I don't listen to anybody's podcast. Really? That's because right. what's how we started our show. We started our show like uh, because Ray and I just wanted an excuse to talk, mm-hmm. you know, to each other. Because he's a, he's a couple mm-hmm. hours away from from me, and and uh, so it's basically it's our weekly appointment to sit down and hang out with each other. And it has it started out a lot looser than it is now. We've tightened up the format a little bit. Like we've gotten better at being podcasters over time, but really, it's still essentially just yes. just us talking about what we want to talk about and we have tried we have stopped trying so hard to be something specific to be like our podcast should have this and this and it mm-hmm. should be this and we stopped thinking about that and instead started thinking about uh what would i like to listen to yep. just do what you want what, what you would like to listen to because that's the great thing and, and this is a 20-year radio veteran talking now that's the great thing about the podcast world is that you don't have a program director who is telling you how to do your show and yeah. i spent 20 years in radio with a program director telling me how to do my show and it wasn't until i was about to quit and i finally realized they can't fire me that i started doing the show that i wanted to do and for a blessed six months i had the most fun and got more listeners and was more popular than I had ever been in my career. And then I quit. And that was when I realized I was doing it wrong all along. I was letting other people dictate for me how I was going to do my show. And I should just do what I want to do. And so that's the advice I give to people who say, you know, how should I do my podcast? You should do exactly what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Just have fun. And then organically let it grow because it doesn't cost anything. 
You know, it doesn't cost a thing to have a podcast. It's going to take a while to get it where you want it to be. And Gary and I, I don't even know if we're still not really where we want to be. We know, Who knows? You know, everything's a, a work in progress, right? Yeah. Uh, but that's why I asked you if you listen to the show or not. Uh, but you've been doing it two years, so you're beyond advice at this point. So I don't. I, I know that this isn't for you, but I'm just going to throw this out there and talk about it for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Because there are other people, there are people who listen to the, right now, there's someone listening to this podcast who's thinking about doing a photography mm-hmm. podcast or just doing a podcast and they're going, oh, ooh, here's podcasters and they're talking to podcasters. There's going to be a lot of great information here that I can use for my podcast. And no, then we talk about no. Dungeons and Dragons yeah. instead. No, yeah. there isn't. There isn't any information unless it's technical. No, your podcast needs to be your podcast, man. Make it your own. Yeah, you know, what's fun about it is that it's it's my hobby. And although I know that for Boo Ray and I, I think I speak for both of us when we really got to like carve out some time. We both are pretty busy to, to do it. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it is sometimes inconvenient to consistently find time to do it. But like, I really have enjoyed doing it. And my friendship with Bure has been like so much more than it would have been because we just decided to, to do this. And so now it's at the point where, uh, you know, a friendship that never would have been because we only knew each other f- casually at like a photography convention, mm-hmm. but we had these great conversations. I'm like, we need to do a podcast together. He's like, no, no, not going to do that. No, not interested. No. And eventually because I didn't want to carve out the time. I didn't want to have to. I didn't want. I didn't want to have that on my calendar, and also because I didn't think it would be successful. And it's yeah, really but, not. It's really but, not successful. But, but now it's like, <laughs> like seriously. I I talk. I talk to you almost every day. Yeah. I talk to you more than I talk to my parents, more than I talk to my siblings. I talk to Bure like almost daily. And we're, you wonder we're, why I didn't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I'm going to go ahead and jump off the Brooklyn Bridge. Uh, I'll see you guys with a later. Microwave. With a mi- with my head in a microwave. <laughs> you got to melt the ice cube somehow, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. See, when Steve told me we were uh, doing this podcast, I actually recognized Gary from a Creative Live course I bought way back when. You bought that Ooh, class? Oh, you that's go, like, oh, you. That's, that's very nice. That's it. That just makes you feel. That makes you feel so good, doesn't it, Gary? It does. You know, I get. It's funny. Creative Live was a thing. I, I'd been teaching for several years when I when I pitched a class and Creative Live said, "Okay, yeah, we'll do this class with you," and. Nobody on the on the national stage of like great photography influencers and instructors, nobody knew who the heck I was. And Creative Live really gave me a shot. And I tell you what, I still get they 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 still market and sell that class. The last class I did for Creative Live was three years ago. I still get emails, text messages, phone calls on an almost daily basis from people who've seen that class and, and, and have questions. And, and, and first of all, it's, it's a little annoying uh, sometimes, but mostly it's, it, just blows, <laughs> it just blows my mind the audience that they have and how many people that they reach. It's such a big, big platform. And it has changed the game. Since I've done Creative Live, I can pretty much walk onto any conference. They'll be like, oh yeah, we know who you are. You can teach at our conference. And mm-hmm. so like that's, that was a game changer for me as an educator was Creative Live, me being nobody and nobody knew anything about me. Uh, they, they gave me a shot and it just blew up for me it was huge it was a really really big deal and then i really really uh have a lot of airy fairy loving feelings towards the creative life for that yeah <laughs> i was just hoping you're still getting residual checks i do actually yeah every three months i get uh they they uh, the, the deal that they had at the time uh was they give the they don't pay you to do it they fly you out and they put you up but then they give you 20 percent of whatever they sell pretty much forever so i've been getting checks Every three months from Creative Live for five years. And I just got a check uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, in the mail from Creative Live. And they, and they give you a report 
and they tell you how many of each of your classes have sold and what their end of it is, what your end of it is. And yeah, and it's been five years I've been getting a check every three months like clockwork. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, they're great. And they, even though the class, my headshot class I did is five years ago, they still sell a good amount of them. And they, and man, they still advertise the crap out of it. They spend a fortune on advertising their courses and they will follow you around the internet like you just bought some lens wipes on Amazon. And now you see them (laughs) everywhere you go. You see an ad for those lens wipes. They're really, really good at retargeting on social media. And so my dad, who's 78, thinks that I'm famous. Because <laughs> that's all he sees on Because he's watching a video on YouTube, and then the ad will run for my creative live class, you know? And he'd be like, yeah, my son, I saw your ad again today, man. That's like, He doesn't quite get retargeting, you know? Like, so he realizes that because he's been on my website, and because like we, he has all these associations with me, that he's seeing me. They're serving me the ad because he happens to fall in to the demographic of ads that they've targeted. But he mm-hmm. thinks it's just a random happenstance and that I'm actually a celebrity, which is, mm-hmm. which is kind of sweet. It's kind of nice, actually. Well, you kind of are. <laughs> Only I, don't to, know, I don't. I don't know that we are, and or, or, I. I don't know. Um, I don't know when, when you become a celebrity photographer. I don't know. I don't know what the what the line is for that. Like Lindsay Adler, Jerry Jonas, they're celebrities, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know who's the biggest? I think the biggest photography celebrity in our industry. I mean, obviously you've got your Ann Gettys and and you know your Annie Leibovitz types. You know, like there are photographers who people who aren't photographers know who they are, like Annie Leibovitz. But right. in the industry, probably the biggest name in the industry's got to be Sue Bryce, right? Like mm-hmm. I saw her at Imaging USA. She did a phenomenal presentation. But she is so popular that she has to have a person walk with her across the trade show to keep people from talking to her because she gets mobbed at conventions when she walks around like she will literally she cannot walk from her class to like the hotel without being stopped every 10 feet by somebody who just oh hey sue i'm in i'm in your education group and i just want to just want to ask you a question and you know what at first i was like man okay she could at least stop and give these people some of her time but i was like you know what she wouldn't even be able to take a piss if like she didn't have somebody to like like in at a photography convention it would be the equivalent of like who's who's somebody that's huge and famous right now like post malone or one of the jonas brothers trying to go to the mall basically is sue bryce at a photography convention and uh, and i want to thank you for putting the image of sue bryce taking a piss into my head by the way (laughs) (laughs) you're welcome Well, you know, we like have that problem, you and I. We can't, uh, we can't walk uh, through Imaging USA without being stopped every 10 feet. Completely different reason, though, because we're our friends, not fans. <laughs> we just have a lot of friends at yeah, that convention. But my desire thing. to not be bothered by them is just as great as Sue Bryce's desire. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about this? We'll go in a pair, and I'll bounce people away from you, and you bounce yeah. people away from me. I'll be yours, and you be mine. And we could just work in a team like that. There you go. Can that you works. guys wear shirts that say that? Yeah, like I'm with stupid. I'll be yours. That, that kind of a mine. shirt, like with an arrow. Yeah, aw. We do have some photobomb shirts that somebody made, a fan made for us, mm-hmm. uh, which are really cool. And I still have mine. My shirt just says, don't make eye contact with the talent. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I I am almost a hundred percent just fundamentally opposed to graphic T-shirts that just have like phrases on them. They almost always stupid. Like, and, uh, and plus uh, the joke only lasts for five seconds. You read it, right. there's a joke, and now your shirt is dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The joke is out there, and now it's yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Okay, I get it. Yeah, right. Same joke I read ten seconds ago, and now I got to stare at that joke the rest of the time that we're in this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Not a not not a fan, but I would wear one for you, Boo. I would. I appreciate that. 
I don't want to be too airy fairy about it, but you're a guy I would wear a shirt for. <laughs> Versus not wear a shirt for. Got it. No, I would, which, I would not wear a shirt worse. for almost any guy. But uh, <laughs> putting a shirt on for a guy, that's a big deal for me. So we should probably wrap this up. I know Dustin has to leave real soon. Um, where can people find you guys online? Well, uh, you can find us online at uh, facebook.com slash photobomb. And you can find us at photobombpodcast.com. You can find Gary at hughesfioretti.com. And you can find yep. me at burayperry.com. And also, we cool. will be speaking, both of us are speaking at Imaging USA this year. And you guys should absolutely come. Oh, God, you should come to Imaging it USA. Would, it would be so cool to hang out with you guys IRL and to grab a, grab a beer. And, uh, you know, speaking of grabbing a beer, we didn't get to say what we were drinking. You guys typically do that on your show, right? You say what? Because you, cause you record at night, right? We just don't. Yeah, we don't typically record in the morning. So. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, what are you drinking now? Well, uh, the, the smell that's coming off of me will let you know that I was drinking a lot of Bacardi yesterday. But today I'm drinking a nice iced coffee, Kodiak brew, uh, homemade, ground it myself, made in a French press. No, just kidding. It's Folgers. But uh, it's, it's coffee. I'm drinking coffee. I think we're all drinking coffee. I think we're yeah. All yeah, I think we're all drinking coffee. <laughs> I have yeah. two cups of coffee because my son's school this year, they moved him up. So he starts an hour earlier and it's really screwing with me. Don't get Boo started on school times. There we go. We're going to go. Because I guarantee you he's done the homework. Like, there's no reason the school should start at 7 a.m. And it's all a conspiracy because they're trying to save money on the buses. That's yep. it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's what I problem I have with my kids. I'm out to the point where one of them goes to, to, class, to school at 7 and the other one goes to school at 9. What? Yeah, that's... Wow. Yeah. Are they... Yeah, so, one's in high school, one's in middle school? Middle school. Yeah, the way that the way their busing works is the middle school is first, then the elementary school, then the high school. So if you have a kid in middle school and high school, they're as far apart as you can be apart. So yeah, I, I say it's two, but they, the start, yeah, but the the come home is about an hour and a half. So the the oldest one comes home about an hour and a half before the middle schooler. Mm -hmm. God, that sucks. I yeah. hated middle school. Yeah, but the middle schooler, I literally, literally, she comes in the door at quarter to five. Mm -hmm. Which is crazy to me because for like me, my job. entire life, yeah, my entire life, you got you got home from school three thirty at the latest, you know, right? Yeah, she comes home. It's almost five o'clock. She walks in the door, and we're eating dinner within an hour. Golly, the damn buses. Anyway, we were wrapping up, right? <laughs> <laughs> we keep going. You guys when want to talk about comic books some more? We could do that. Absolutely. When is Imaging USA for the listeners out there who might have never Sometime heard of in it? July. I think it's, it's the 19th. January. It's in January. January, I'm sorry. It's like January 19th and 20th July, or something. January, yeah, somewhere in there. I don't know. It's uh, sometime in January. And Gary is actually teaching twice. That's how popular Gary, Gary is. He's actually teaching twice. Uh, the truth is that Gary was on the committee. Uh, he was chairman of the committee that picked the speakers from Imaging USA. And he was on that committee for like five or six years, I Five think. years. Yeah, I, cha yeah. I chaired the committee for three, and I was on it for a total of five years. Right. Yeah. And I was on the committee for one year, and then I dropped off the committee because I discovered that when you're on the committee, you, can't, you don't put in to speak at the convention because right. then it wouldn't be right. You're on the committee that picks the speakers, and you're up to speak. Mm -hmm. And I was like, guys... I like to speak at the convention, so I'm dropping off of this committee. Well, Gary didn't do that, and so he went like five years not speaking at the convention. So now that he's off the committee, they're like, give us Gary Hughes, more Gary Hughes. So Gary's actually teaching pre-con, and he's teaching uh, on the, on the what, what, do we, what do we call it? The convention? Yeah, but what do we call it when the you... Platform, the platform. Platform, platform speaker. So uh, he, I'm, te I'm teaching. I, I, I taught platform last year, so I'm doing pre-con this year, and that's usually the way it yeah. works. But if, Gary's if you haven't been... Both. 
it's like 10,000 plus photographers. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, and it's massive and it's incredibly well organized. The slate of speakers that coming up this year, uh, myself not included and Boo Ray is included in this. It's just phenomenal. They have a lot of business focused stuff. They bring in f- speakers who are business experts who are not in the photography industry to try and keep it fresh so that we're getting the best information as entrepreneurs and not just photographers. And it is just the most fun and the best organized. It's just a really wonderful, wonderful time. If you guys haven't been, you should absolutely come. And I believe that if you are not PPA members, if you join, you get to go to Imaging USA for free with your first year's membership. And if you've never taken advantage of that, I believe this, please don't quote me on it, that if you've never taken advantage of going to Imaging USA with your membership, I believe they will let you do it even if you're not a brand new member, if you've never been before. And and they even have like a buddy, it's the cheapest convention. Like it's like 200 bucks mm-hmm. for for the three-day convention and you can go like two people can go for 300 bucks like you can go with a buddy or something and it's just an absolute blast you get your hands on all the latest equipment you get to see incredible instructors and you drink a lot and have a lot of fun with your friends it's an absolute and this year blast. it's at the gaylord in nashville which is this giant all under domed glass resort it's like a town or city inside under domed glass uh, and everything is right there giant fantastic venue the parties are good. They have opening night party. They have a closing night party. The parties are rocking live bands, uh, free T-shirts, food. It's just, you can't beat it. You really can't beat it. It's a highlight of my year. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a really good time. You guys should come. And we should do a podcast together from Imaging USA. That would be really fun. That would be awesome. That, they're that not going to do it, are they, Blu-ray? They're not I, do I don't think they're awake. You guys are doing a live <laughs> episode sometime soon, right? Yeah, Do people still like get tickets to that and everything. When is that going to be? Because this episode will probably come out not this Sunday, but the following Sunday. Oh gosh, yeah, this is coming up in September. Mm-hmm. Where uh, we do uh, th- this is the convention. It's the Focus Convention, Focus 2019. This convention is the is the Florida affiliate of PPA. It's their annual convention for the state of Florida, mm-hmm. and they are. This is the place where the Photobomb podcast was born. Like this is the place where we had the idea for the show, where Boo Ray and I really met and started to interact. And so every year for the last few years, they've invited us to come and and do the show at the conference. So we do a live show with an audience at the at the at the focus conference and all the information is at areyouinfocus.com and i believe that is in orlando at the florida hotel and conference center which is attached to the florida mall which is huge and i believe that the dates are september 27th through the 29th is when we're going to be there so it'll be a really good time and we'll be drinking whilst podcasting and with a live audience and this is our home crowd so everybody really gets into it it's a lot of fun nice Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you guys both so much for coming on the podcast. It's been awesome having you guys on today. Um, and we should probably let you guys go now because it's been like two hours of us talking. So, Hour and 24 <laughs> minutes. Uh, There's going to be a lot, okay. a, timer. a lot of editing. A lot of editing to be done. So much <laughs> editing. <laughs> thank you for having us. And, uh, and we, we will keep up with you guys and we'll mention this on our show. And if you haven't listened, check out the Photobomb podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere podcasts can be found. And make sure that you leave a review for the uh, Wedding Photo Hangover podcast on iTunes because these guys do a great job. And show them a little love and leave them a review because that makes sure that their podcast gets out to more people. So I'm going to tell you, they don't have to do it. They're not going to sell <laughs> themselves. They're humble. They're nice guys. Get humble. right now. Take that phone that you're listening to this on get on there and leave them a five-star review three stars is for losers leave them a five-star review be a winner be a good human being and leave them a five-star review on itunes just do it just go do it now stop waiting get on there and do it and right after that then jump on the photobomb and leave them a five-star review too 
Nah, no, we don't want to. We don't want that many people to know about us. <laughs> the truth is, the truth is, we're too popular. Well, we we're, really yeah. need to. We we're, really we're need to downplay to shed a little some bit. Listeners, yeah. yeah, we're looking to shed. Them. We're it's hoping that some of our true. listeners will latch onto you guys instead of us. We're trying to yeah. shake a few yeah. hangers yeah. on loose. We're soon. We're soon to start a vetting process. If you want to listen to our show, yeah, we're going full zero dark thirty. We're going to yeah. actually go subscription based. Steve was like a nighttime sexy radio DJ. <laughs> he was like, Ew, what kind of underwear do you have on? And Dustin's like, well, actually, this is a photography podcast. Yeah, you guys are really in trouble having us on the show. Yes. All right, here we go. Three, Three two, one. I wasn't ready. I, I wasn't recording. Start over. Okay. Wedding Photo Hangover was edited this week by Steve Van Elk of Bespoke Tone. Go to Bespoke Tone for all of your photo, video, and audio editing needs. Woo! Wee!